Hi everyone, welcome to the Laura Horn Art Podcast. This week we are talking about failure. Richie and I have decided to lift the lid on some of our failures. We've taken a look back at all the different parts of our art business over the years. Podcasting, making online classes and of course creating art. And what we thought we'd do is share with you all of the things that went wrong. And we hope that you find it encouraging, relatable, and I'm sure there'll probably be a few laughs along the way as well. So it's quite a long list, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) We started doing a bit of a brainstorm for this podcast just before we sat down to record it. And um, we've had to kind of, (laughs) we've had to shortlist the list. I'm a bit nervous because I don't want people to know some of the absolutely idiotic mistakes I've made. I think people already know because we, we're pretty yeah. honest anyhow. We share, we've shared a lot of these things in, I guess, bits and bobs in various conversations that we've had. But I wanted to put it all into one conversation because I feel that it's very important to understand that behind the scenes there's a lot of messing up, stumbling, mucking up that happens. It's very easy to paint a picture on Instagram or on your website that you've got everything figured out. It's it's easy for it to look much more organized and under control than it and actually perfect. yeah, than it yeah. actually is. And I've I've had that feedback given to me by many people that I've spoken to that they've had this feeling that I've got everything worked out and I'm some kind of powerhouse. <laughs> <laughs> well it was like that time one of one of your followers met our neighbor. And the neighbor was like, oh my God, Laura, she lives right next to you. I love her work. Her house is amazing. And our neighbor was like, it's not that amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, perception is, is, uh, is such an interesting thing. And you can take a photo of a pretty little corner or you can get the light just nice. And there are many things that you can do that create, I guess, a bit of an illusion. And you might not even realize that you're doing it at the time. But when you're on Instagram, you're only seeing a very small, small part of the puzzle. Well, that's right. Like you will only put your best foot forward when you put yourself out into the world. Instagram, websites, they're all very curated mm-hmm. like that, and that's absolutely fine. But it's nice that we have this platform where we can get a little bit more real and yeah. just have a chat and let it all out. I love podcasts for that reason. I feel so much more relaxed on the podcast than I do on other platforms. Yeah, maybe it's because there's not a camera in your face. Let's share <laughs> a some good news. <laughs> Let's share a review of the week. So I have a review here from Caroline at The Peachery via Apple Podcasts in the USA. And the review is useful, humorous and soothing. Thank you, Laura and Richie, for providing such a wonderful podcast to the art community. I discovered your podcast a couple of weeks ago and have been listening nonstop. I love Laura's gentle, soothing voice. Seriously, it's so calming. <laughs> Do you find it calming? Yes. Uh, <laughs> Richie not all begs of to the differ. Time. <laughs> <laughs> and Richie's quips. You guys make a great team, and of course, the content is right up my alley. I love all things creative. I can't wait to listen again on my way home from work. Thanks so much, Caroline. Very welcome, Caroline. Yeah, thank you, Caroline. And I hope, hopefully, Caroline might be tuning in to this week's episode. Yes, she'll be listening to your <laughs> quips and my soothing soft voice. Yep, we, we can't let her down now. <laughs> <laughs> One last thing before we start. 
I wanted to mention our featured class of the month, which is the Melting Pot, which was our very first online class, and it is still the most popular class that we have. It's been so brilliant to see so many new people joining the community and having so much fun with that particular class. And it is a class that it's very freeing. It opens you up to explore and play with different materials. It's it's a very anything goes kind of class, but then there is also a bit of thinking to it. So we play and then we reflect and refine our work. So there's a lot in it. It's a mini that's pretty mighty, I reckon. Yeah. So that class is on sale at the moment and it's 20% off using the coupon MELT20, M-E-L-2-0. Did I mention the name of the class? (laughs) That would be helpful. So the class is called The Melting Pot. And you can find it at laurahornart.com forward slash classes. So if you look up the melting pot, use the coupon code MELT20, you'll save 20% up until the 19th of June, 2020. Hopefully I've got all of that right. Or else that'll be another failure. (laughs) (laughs) Starting the podcast with a failure. With a failure. I'm always worried that I've got the wrong dates, the wrong coupon codes, all that (laughs) sort of stuff. There's so many things to get right, isn't there? All right, let's begin with the podcast. What have been our biggest fails in relation to creating a podcast? We certainly jumped into the podcast without any preparation. It was really a case of you putting a microphone in my face one day. I think we just got back from the gym and I was probably still huffing and puffing and And we just tested it out and then we put it up. So there wasn't any launch strategy. And I've seen other podcasts come out and I admire the way that they have an approach that they're taking with it. They've got their logo organized. They've got a tagline. They've got a nice intro. They've got, you know, several podcast episodes in the bag. So they launch with a few episodes. And I can see that they've put a lot of thought into how they bring that podcast out into the world. We did not do that at all. No, we, <laughs> didn't, the do, opposite. we didn't do any of that. <laughs> we just randomly decided to create a podcast one day in our kitchen yeah. and put it up on Anchor because one of our friends told us that you could do that. Yeah, and without <laughs> any research, I bought a bog standard microphone off eBay, a voice recorder, plugged it in, hit record, and off we went. And that microphone was the wrong microphone. You know, it wasn't insulated. It would, the, the sound of your hand would be in it. It picked up all the ambient sounds. Yeah, we just went full tilt into podcasting with zero research <laughs> or preparation. And the same goes for the episodes. I didn't used to do any prep before we would sit down and have a chat. And because of that, there were a few episodes that never got aired because we just lost our way and decided that we <laughs> we weren't <laughs> going to release that conversation to the world yeah. for whatever reason, or we ended up having an argument or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> so in order for us to like rein it in a bit and keep it under control, I started writing podcast notes. Now that might seem obvious to people that you would write a few notes before you have a conversation, but we didn't used to do that. So now we do, we have bullet points, nothing too extravagant, but we have a bit of an outline and I've certainly seen the engagement in our episodes increase as we've put more valuable content into them. So we are thinking about, we 
we are thinking about how we can help people. Like what what useful things can we share as well as the lighthearted banter and the fun that we have while we have the conversations. It's quite a delicate balance. So there's a little bit more thinking that goes into it now than there used to be. Yeah, and the one thing that moving into the studio is we have now a designated podcasting area. So we have two comfortable chairs. We have two proper microphones. We have the Rode Podcaster recording deck. Yeah, it's a proper professional setup. And I remember when I bought the stuff and I set it all up. And it really wasn't that expensive considering what we use it for. It was just one of those moments. And you're going to hear a lot of this in this podcast of me just going, why didn't I just do that in the first place? (laughs) (laughs) The amount of mics that you've been through and (laughs) you've taken the long road here. The very long road, yes. And learned the hard way. And I think I've almost learned how to speak into a mic, but it's taken a long time because I'm a very animated speaker. Yes. So I move around and I move my hands. So I'm forever knocking the mic and you're forever glaring at me with angry eyes. (laughs) And yeah, because I move a lot when I talk and I also talk up and down. My, my, My volume goes up and down as I get excited about different things. So that's been interesting. Yeah, and, and you speak, uh, you, you, you plosive a lot, so your P's pop. Yeah. So I have to make sure that you have the pop filter in front of your face and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know? he's got to make me sound better than I actually yes. do. That's Richie's job in all of this. <laughs> and, of course, we've had the classic mistakes of not pressing record, and I had one only a few weeks back with an artist, which is it's so hard to say to someone who's come onto your podcast Artists are a bit nervous coming onto the podcast. It's not easy. I've been on podcasts myself. I get nervous. You go through the process only to have the person say at the end, we're going to have to do it again, mm-hmm. <laughs> which in some ways isn't always a bad thing because you've had a really good warm up and we've had conversations where the second time round has been so much better than the first one. So at the end of it, you're right, happy with the outcome. But we now have a podcasting piece of equipment that has an enormous square button <laughs> <Big red record laughs> that has button. record. Yes. So fingers crossed we won't have those accidents, but we're human. Things like that are still going to happen. Yeah. Or your record button is on, but your volume is down. You know, it, it's just all the mistakes you could possibly make, we've made. <laughs> and when I say we, I mean me. <laughs> So even when you get like really, really good audio and you take it into your editing software, I used to overdo the editing because we edit our podcast. We take out a lot of stuff that's not really related to the podcast. So just talking and that kind of stuff. Most of the podcast still stays in, but there are times when we just have to get up and we have to go move and, you know, like there's, there's a bit of space in between where we might have to stop for some reason yeah and it's very important for people out there that are are thinking about starting their own podcast you have to be very flexible because cars that drive past you have to stop talking if someone comes to your door you have to stop talking and um, if your phone rings you know you have to stop talking there's all these things that you need to edit out of your podcast if you are going to edit your podcast some people don't edit they just leave everything in when I eventually started researching podcasts, the overwhelming advice was to edit it. 
make it easy for people to listen to. So there's not a lot of dead air in the podcast because that can turn people off. So I would cut the dead air out. The problem with that was I would cut out you taking a breath. So the podcast would sound like you talking in one huge sentence. Yeah. And you were you were also not as comfortable speaking on the podcast, especially in the early days. You're, I'm still You're not. still a bit like mm. that now. So you would sometimes cut all of yourself out. Yeah. And it would I would end up with this kind of unnatural sounding spiel. Yeah, you'd be answering a question <laughs> that wasn't asked. <laughs> and I would get so mad at you and then you would just say, that's it. Yeah. It's going up. And and we'd just put it up anyway because that's a big part of this is just move on and it's not going to be perfect. And it wasn't until some lovely lady wrote you an email <laughs> saying, could you take a breath, please, Laura? Because <laughs> you didn't believe me. I kept saying, you're making me sound like some kind of robot here. And you're like, no, no, no. And then someone else wrote in thank you to that person yes left us a little comment or whatever that perhaps I could take a few more breaths and since then you've been allowing me to breathe so thank you you're welcome (laughs) (laughs) so that's the podcast let's move on to online classes and some of the biggest mistakes that we've made in creating our classes first of all I want to say that we have a folder on our drive called failed classes and in that there is There are all sorts of videos that we have made with the intention that we were going to release them as a paid class that for whatever reason we haven't. Sometimes it's the filming side of things that goes wrong. Sometimes it's me that goes wrong and it's the art making itself that doesn't end up where I want it to. And when I say that, what I mean is I look back at it and I don't feel like it's a good example for teaching purposes. And I think about the experience of the student and I'm like, no, I just feel like this is a bit all over the place or I haven't explained it very well. And so it gets left. Or else we've had situations where the camera's batteries have gone flat and we've lost an angle that's needed. Like for example, the overhead camera halfway through black screen. Now, there's a setting on your camera, which I have now set up, and it can be annoying sometimes, but after 30 seconds of no activity, the camera will switch itself off, and it's this loud, audible click. I'm not saying that I don't forget to hit record on cameras, but I have made the mistake where I haven't reset one, and you hear the loud, audible click, and that's a get-out-of-jail-free card. But there are lessons I learned the hard way. And what else have we had? We, we've also had not having the mic plugged in. <sighs> and we film our classes in such a way that I talk as I paint. paint. Mm. We don't tend to do voiceovers. So it's it was really, really sad when we realized that we didn't have all of my talking that I'd done. And especially if you've had a really good filming day mm-hmm. and you've been on point and you're very happy with how it all went and to lose all of that and realize that you're going to either have to scrap it or do a voiceover. And not to say there's anything wrong with voiceovers, but it's hard when you've been filming up to that point using the other method to then bring a voiceover in is a bit weird. So, yeah. So there's just been all sorts of things like that. And then I guess this is a bit of a running theme, not planning classes enough. Definitely 
resulted in a few failures. So not really thinking about what the outcome was going to be for the student and what I was trying to teach. I've now learned how to sort of reverse engineer my classes so that I think about the outcome and then work back. And it, it's so much easier that way. But it's amazing how some of that is what you think I'm thinking. Like you'd be saying to yourself, Richie wants to film on Tuesday. So I have to paint on Tuesday. But now, now that we've like, we're, and we would, we'd paint on Tuesday and it'd be a, not a disaster. Well, it'd be unusable. It'd end up in the failed online classes folder. Now you say, okay, Richie, I'm not ready to film on Tuesday. So I'm going to practice Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and we'll film on Friday. And what we get on Friday is a keeper. Yeah, we've learned that it pays sometimes to be a bit patient and take your time. So I now know when is going to be a good filming day. Like I can tell in the morning if I'm ready. And there's a lot that goes into that. Part of it is I've done my practice. I've got some notes. I've got a clear direction. And then the other part of it is just how I feel on the day. Uh, it's not always easy speaking on camera and being articulate, using your words. Like some days I just don't seem to have the words. And then other days it all flows and we don't need to do any retakes. It just all comes out in one one go. And I've become aware of what kind of mood I need to be in and how my stars need to be aligned in order to have a good filming day. And so we just we just wait. You know, if it's not the day, then we'll postpone for another day or two. And <laughs> Is the back door open? No, it's not. At the moment, we have Asher, my son, our son, I should say, in the studio, and we are about to take one of those breaks that we were talking about before because he wants to go out and play, so we've got to open up the doors. Would you like to say hello? Hi, everyone. I'm Asher. And that's why we edit our podcasts. That's right. We are having one of those stop-start days today with the podcast where we keep having to... Yeah, there's some very loud cars driving around and... So anyway, where did we get up to? So we talked about our online classes and the fact that we've had many failures with those. And I'm quite happy to scrap something if I'm not 100% happy with it. It's very important to me that I can stand over my classes and feel good about them because they, they live out in the world for a very long time and they're enjoyed by many people. So I need to feel good about those classes. So I am proud of my failed folder that I have in the drive. I'm very happy it's there. I'm happy that we took the time to reshoot things, to consider whether we'd done a good job and improve because what happened on the back of every one of those failures is that we returned at another time and did a better job. Yeah, 100%. If I was to take someone through a tour of this studio, each piece of equipment has a history. Like the overhead microphone, I could trace that all the way back to failed attempts and unusable audio. You know, every single thing here has been an advancement from ground zero all the way up to where we are now. Like we didn't just rush in and and maybe we should have, but we didn't just run in and spend thousands upon thousands of dollars on professional kit. I guess it was the right thing to do because we didn't know where this podcast was going to take us, did we? Yeah, well, that's what I... I actually thought of that when you were talking and forgot to mention it, but I felt the same way because you could view it as a failure, but then in other ways, as you said, we didn't know if we were going to continue with the podcast. We had no idea where it was going. So it it made sense at the time to start 
with small steps and then keep on improving it. So many of these failures, they're not really failures, are they? One of the best failures I think that we've had was when we were doing an online class, we um, hired a beautiful old church hall. We hired stage lights, set you up in the middle of the room. It was spectacular. And then it wasn't until we were filming, I was like, oh my God, we could have been in a barn. We could have been in a bar. No one would have known where we were. And that failure, when we came to get our studio, was at the forefront of my mind that we don't need huge, open, beautiful spaces, that we can get something small, compact, and decorated ourselves. So that failure led to us getting this particular place. Yeah, and we didn't need to have the fancy barn conversion. And yeah. Like, I think I had this idea that we needed this really beautiful space. And then when we hired the space, which costs money, we could only use it in short bursts of a couple of hours because we were having to fit it in around other people that were using the space for other things. I didn't have all my supplies with me, so I was bringing things in baskets and I kept forgetting things and I didn't even know quite where I was heading with the course and I didn't feel comfortable. That was the main thing. I didn't feel at home painting there. Uh, it's still The content was still fairly good. I don't know, it just didn't didn't come together the way we wanted it to. And then I think we ran out of time and we were going to film the last bit in a, in the studio at home and then it all sort of just didn't just fly. Apart. just fell apart. And sometimes it's the mental side that falls apart and I think for me that's what happened with this particular course. And, I, and then I had to really pick myself up because I felt like a failure because we'd invested a lot of time and energy into this one and I just felt like I'd let it all run away with me and lost the way, I really had to like give myself a big pep talk and say, okay, let's do this again. Yeah, and I wrote were, out huh? my notes. I wrote out notes this time. I got very clear. We had tight deadline and we shot the class in two days or maybe three days. Three days. Three days and it was brilliant. So it, that was that's probably the clearest example I can think of so far where I felt felt that feeling of failure and had to bounce back from it quickly. We went from having a professional lighting setup on a massive location set, filming an online car class on a big, beautiful easel, three camera setup, amazing, to I'm quitting. This isn't, this isn't gonna work, it's over. And then the next day, knocking it out of the park. Yeah, back in my home studio, in the backyard with the cat on the table, purring, and it worked. Yeah, and so, that, that failure has been instrumental in our growth because we grew exponentially after that. Yeah, it was pretty much when we hit our, hit our stride with our online classes after that. That was kind of the make or break moment for us. And I went into a dark place at that point. It was pretty bad. Yeah. Where I was just like, I don't think I can do this anymore. I'm not cut out for this. To, yeah, you can. Do it your way. You don't need the fancy stuff. So that was a big one. So let's talk about a few failures in relation to art. And boy, there've been a lot. <laughs> it was only the other day when I was coming up with a new exercise for our current online class. And I wanted to try something that I hadn't tried before. 
And I went and did one painting, rubbish. Another painting, rubbish. Another one, all these paintings that ended up in the bin. And I couldn't believe it. I was looking at my work. Where is this work coming from? I feel like this is work I would have made 10 years ago. But I was trying something new and I was expecting to be able to do it straight away and I couldn't do it. But every time I tried, I got a little bit better. And eventually, after many experiments, I came up with something that I was very happy with. But I still had those 10 paintings that went into the bin. And I feel like it's, I feel like this is important to hear because sometimes you think that artists always create magnificent work. But there's a lot of botched paintings out there. There's a lot of messy stuff that doesn't see the light of day. Because I remember about two or three years ago when you start painting in these earthy colours and you were bringing them through and they weren't fashionable back then. But because you've painted bad paintings and you've put them in the bin, you know what's bad. And just because a colour isn't fashionable, when you've painted your painting in your earthy colours, when you know it's good, you don't throw that one in the bin, regardless of what other people think. So when you paint and fail and paint and fail and paint and fail and then paint and have a success, it's irrelevant what other people think. That's a success to you. Yeah, because that's right, because you may have mastered that perfect brown that you'd been trying to, to get on the painting. And so you're very happy with it. Just remembering that conversation popping into my head because you were like, oh, look, these earthy colours, they're really fashionable. And then I said to you, I went, they weren't when you started. No, well, that's right. I actually switched into earthy colours and we started putting them in the local cafe where I sell my work and the sales just they plummeted. plummeted yeah. Because I had been doing quite bright work and they were selling really well. And, and in Australia, bright, colourful art is quite popular here. There is now some... I think there's now more popularity towards the earthy colours and the neutrals that's come in recently. But at that time, yeah, we saw we saw a bit of a <laughs> shift there. <laughs> but I, I didn't change. I no, just kept going with it because I, I felt like I wanted to paint the paintings that I wanted to paint regardless. And I was happy with the improvements that were happening in my work as far as the technical skills and the colour mixing and things like that. So I just carried on. Yeah. So just on <laughs> failures, like through that whole process, there was a load of failures. You know, local crowd not selling paintings, but you continued to paint. That's right. And now, you know, things have come full circle and I've found a new audience for my work that is different to the audience that were buying at the stage when I was painting brighter paintings and you will find new audiences when you shift into something different I would hate for anyone to feel like they are in a box like they're pigeonholed and they have to paint a certain way because that's what sells it's a big thing on the photography circuit at the moment people are taking photographs that they know will get likes on Instagram they're not taking their own photographs they're not exploring their craft and to me, that's sad. It is very sad because I became a much happier artist when I was painting the things that I felt called to paint and the colours that I really like. And, and for me, I was very inspired by looking around at what I wear and how I decorate the home. And I, I realised that I was painting very differently to what I was naturally drawn to. And when I started painting 
painting in colours and things that I would choose to bring into my home, that's when I just, that's when it all clicked for me. What else can I say about failures in art? Another thing that I used to do, which I've got much better at, is I don't force things. When I first started, as many people will relate to, there was a big gap between my skill level and what I wanted to paint. And when I couldn't paint what I wanted to paint, then I would get angry and frustrated and my mood would go downhill rapidly. And that's when I would go from being a constructive artist to being a destructive artist. And it's amazing how quickly you can channel anger and frustration into your art and mess up something and just turn it into a big brown mush. <laughs> and that was before I liked browns. <laughs> yeah, embrace the brown. Uh, so, yeah, so now I have learned to walk away and it truly is one of the best skills that I have gained in all aspects of the art business, not even just in art, but the ability to just step up, take a break and work in a much healthier way in short bursts that are productive and to leave something for the next day. So, so that's been a big one. I now don't paint if I am not feeling it or if I'm angry, you know, I show up, but if things start to take that downward road, then I, I get off the road (laughs) altogether and do something different. What else? We've had a lot of stuff ups in relation to finishing and varnishing work. This has usually come about because I'm impatient. And I once I finish a painting, I want it to be totally finished. And that means I don't wait until it's fully dry before I varnish. You're a I don't I don't prepare my work area properly. I don't get rid of dust before I varnish. I don't make sure that I use a fixative or a spray varnish to hold pastels and things like that in place. And so then I use a brush on varnish. I end up with streaks and cloudiness and destroy a very good painting. It's laziness at work. I have messed up paintings because I'm lazy at that side of it. And I just want to paint something else and I rush and I do not do it properly. No, I I do the varnishing. Yes, now Richie does it because I am incapable of doing this part of the process. So I go outside, I hang the paintings (laughs) up. I get a brush, I brush all the dust off. Yeah, you do it all. And and then you'll come over and you'll be like, oh, do you wipe the dust off? (laughs) (laughs) Do you use a clean area? Wow, that's revelationary. That's (laughs) amazing. You mean you just do one coat of varnish at a time? You mean you don't try and paint a painting while you're varnishing a painting? (laughs) Do you know what? Sometimes I think that's probably what you do. (laughs) Paint, varnish, paint, varnish. I was just blown but away yeah, with you by saying, yeah. how messy my whole process is. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes a failure leads you to outsource something. And so I outsourced the varnishing to you. Let's talk about f- framing and printing, which has been a whole nother world of pain. Okay. So back to me then, is it? <laughs> <laughs> this is something I did research. I scoured the internet. I got books from the library. I got a good look around, uh, bought a printer related to what I was learning about. And yeah, just went off and started to learn. And one of the uh, courses that I did, the teacher or the tutor on that course was saying, no matter what you learn here, be prepared to waste bin loads of paper. And when he said it, I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm prepared. I'm prepared. 
But after failure, after failure, after failure, it just really started to make me terribly angry. And I would have to walk away. And so things like I would get the print colors perfect and then I would print it and it'd be incorrectly cropped. So it'd be an inch on the left and half yes, an inch we on had the problems. right. We had problems with the colours, we had problems with the borders, yes. the paper kept on changing, the paper profile that we were using. We printed on the wrong side of the paper and we didn't couldn't figure that one out for ages. Yeah, in the in the software there's there's a checklist that you need to go through and I would keep missing things in the checklist. And it was all because I thought I knew what, what I was doing. I thought because I'd done it a couple of times that I was above double checking and I would print and it would be incorrect. And I would say, oh, it's on the wrong side of the paper. And then I would print it again. And I'm like, oh my God, there's something wrong. And I'd go into the software. And simple things like, you know, making sure that automatic color correction is turned off. And I'd go in and lo and behold, it would be turned on. So yeah, I've made loads and loads and loads of mistakes like that when I was printing. Including not being able to find the prints. Like I'd ask you to print something and then you'd be like, I don't know where it is, like in the catalogue. I've lost the whole catalogue. <laughs> oh. Like that happened multiple times. Yes. Like before, like <laughs> what would happen is Lightroom would update and it would update its folder location. Oh, or no, that's what it was. Windows 10 updated and then I lost my catalogue in Lightroom. And because another failure, I wasn't naming things correctly because we were small. We were small time. But now there's hundreds in there and they're spaced over different projects. But you live and you learn. We're still learning when it comes to printing. Yeah. We're well, going, yeah, well, we're going to outsource now. Yeah, we're moving thing. towards um, outsourcing our prints. We've chatted a bit about that on the podcast in the last couple of episodes. I can't wait. And we are in the process of getting our work together and thinking about how we're going to do it. So. We will keep you posted on our new print store, which will probably take us quite a long time, let's be honest. <laughs> I, I wouldn't expect that to be happening like no. in the next week or two. <laughs> we got a lot going on at the moment. Uh, what else have we got to talk about? Frames. Oh, framing is an interesting one because I love the look of work when you get it professionally framed. But we have had a few cases where we've spent a lot of money on framing and then the work hasn't sold. And I priced myself out of my market. And I was in a market of fairly affordable art. And when I started framing things and adding the framing costs, I saw a big drop again in sales. So it's important to understand who your buyers are and what they're looking for. And many of them wanted to pick their own frames in their own colors. And so my framing experiences have been a bit up and down. And uh, when we were doing the art markets, we used to do a lot of framing ourselves, so in more affordable frames. But frames are heavy and they're prone to damage. Yeah. If you think about the way I approach varnishing, I take a similar approach when, I, when it comes to packing the car for markets. <laughs> <laughs> I would get to the market and I would open the boot of your car and I'd be like... Uh, babe, watch this. And it'd be just... Smashed. Oh, my God. There'd be broken uh, glass. There'd be 
dented frames and you just come along and as airy fairy as you like oh don't worry about it we'll just take ten dollars off that one <laughs> that's not the point oh. yeah yeah that is very true oh god well, we'll i think i had one market off. where i damaged every everything piece. yes there was nothing pristine on that wall <laughs> oh, it was terrible. Yeah, it was terrible. It, I, and I still everything. managed to sell it yes. all. So we had to sell everything discounted because I had managed to not package it all properly and driven over a whole lot of speed bumps and things. There was an entrepreneurial woman that came through <laughs> and she picked the frame and you went, oh, that's damaged. So that's $10 off. And I think she only came to buy one item and then she stopped and she started noticing all these damaged <laughs> frames. And she goes, well, can I have that one, that one, that one, yeah. and that one? We had, yeah, we ended up selling them all, but we did have to discount everything. everything. So it wasn't ideal. No. Uh, so yeah, we had a, quite a lot of fails in relation to the markets. I feel embarrassed because I'm sure there's people listening to this going, that's not a mistake. That's like negligence. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't really know what we were doing to start with, so we, <laughs> amateurs, <laughs> that's what we were. But yeah, with the markets, you know, we've had too much stock, not having enough stock, having things sell out, having a market and assuming that the next market, the exact same stuff will sell. So you might have sold a lot of canvases for example so then you go and paint a whole load of canvases and then the next market everyone comes looking for prints and cards and so I found that the markets were quite unpredictable. Yeah one of the things that was constant though was you invested in these awesome business cards and they were great. Yeah people loved the business cards but that's not really what makes money at a market. I <laughs> know oh, well there you go another failure <laughs> you're giving away I, these really yeah, expensive. So I had all these people coming over to my stall because I had these little business cards that I made on Moo that people love to collect because they had all different pieces of art on them. So yeah I'm not sure if that was a success or a failure. It did make my stall look really busy. It did. <laughs> uh yeah, you know, so with the markets, getting the mix was a challenge at times. Sometimes we'd have too many expensive items like bigger canvases and not enough of the small stuff because at the type of markets that we were selling at, it was mainly people coming to buy gifts and small things. So prints, when we did finally get our prints worked out, which we did, they sold very well, as did greeting cards. So that was a success in amongst all the broken frames In and <laughs> dented canvases. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to the business side of things. The business in general would have been our biggest failures. Hmm. Time management. Yeah, time ma A lot of the stuff that has been a failure in the past, we've been able to turn around since we moved into this studio space. But a few things that spring to mind are not planning for one, like just not planning anything. That's a recurring team, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, like just we've talked about this a lot of times on the podcast, but you know, in the first few years there really wasn't a clear direction. We were just taking each day as it comes and putting out fires and reacting rather yeah. than being proactive. Not having dedicated work hours, that was a challenge for me. And I ended up working way too much and exhausting myself. Now that we have the studio, we do have much more dedicated work hours and a better separation between work and home. Just not having systems, 
checklists for things like you were talking about, checklist for printing, checklist for when you send stuff out, checklist for markets, like all of those things we eventually put into place. And I must say having those is very helpful. And I have one now for an online class. I have one for the podcast. I, I do have systems for things. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like all those boring things in work. So when you go to your office and you get your induction and they talk about the standard operation procedure and how all the manuals work and there's a form for this and a form for that. And you're like, this is so boring, you know, but that's a plan and a program in place to make sure that it runs smoothly. And we did none of that. We just showed up and we're like, okay, what will we do today? But now in the studio, it's just completely different. Yeah, like we were forever forgetting things. Like we'd go to hang work in the cafe, but we wouldn't have any hooks. <laughs> <laughs> we'd go to a market and we'd, That's so true. <laughs> like we'd forget to bring like That's the so most true. obvious things. Yeah. Like, oh, I forgot to bring my PayPal machine. Yeah, how will when I get paid? When 80% of people pay with PayPal, oh like God. things like that, because we didn't have a checklist. Or even when you had everything, like you're convinced and you're driving to the gallery to put everything up and you're like, yeah, I've got everything. And then when you go to hang, and then when you go to hang the pieces, I, I'll be like, okay, where's my spirit level? And that'd be left at home. <laughs> I mean, we still do a few of these things, let's yeah. be honest, but we have got a lot better. We, we do, have. And we do have a lot more. But gone and forgetting the hooks. Oh my God. That's true. (laughs) We used to do that all the time. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And yeah, we just wouldn't like keep on top of our accounting. And then when it would come to tax time, we'd just have mountains of work to do. But now we work closely with our accountant, which is great. You know, we wouldn't spend enough time on the marketing of the business. Things don't sell themselves. So we have learned to spend just as much time on marketing what we do as doing it and we've been in business this long and we're only starting to get into marketing yeah 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 you know but a lot of that's got to do with not wanting to be too salesy how do you feel like a, a lot of a lot of this is growth like it's hard to grow Sometimes, you know. Sometimes you don't want to because you don't want to move into that next stage because yeah. you like your little, little community bubble. and mm. your intimate relationship that you have with your followers. And as you grow, things change. And that took us a bit of time to get used to that this wasn't quite so small anymore. And I think the very first podcast episode that we put up was called, my, I think it was called My Little Art World is Changing. And that reflected that, that feeling like, oh, things are happening here. There's a lot going on. We probably need to step up and take it all a bit more seriously. But we hadn't yet started to do that. We were still bumbling and fumbling a lot. But we have, bit by bit, we've used all of these failures to turn our business around and make things better. Yeah. We're very lucky because we have a lot of fun doing what we're doing and some of our failures have been catastrophic and have had a mass, a massive emotional impact on us. But we're lucky because 99% of our failures we laugh at. You know, there's never an argument. Like when we get to places and you forget the hooks and it's a half an hour round trip to get them. 
it's okay. I'll just stay here and have a coffee. You go back and get the hooks. You know, it's we're very, we're very adaptable. Yeah. When it comes to our failures. Yeah, I like to think that we've got comfortable with failure, and it's not so much that we're not failing anymore. It's just that we're better at responding to it. Like we've got a more relaxed attitude to failure, and we're better at making changes in order to move forwards. Yeah, my old coach used to say to me, you know, fail fast. Yes, that's that's a good way of putting it. You know, fail fast, get it over with, move on to the next. Yeah, so it's certainly it's certainly not that we've reached a point where we don't fail anymore. <laughs> no, we do we don't what are you talking about? I'm perfect. <laughs> Did you press record on this podcast? Yes, I have pressed record, but I'm quite sure my voice is lower than yours. Yeah, yeah there's yeah, lots there's of lots things that of need things. to be fixed. But there. we're failing really fast these days. Yes. <laughs> So we're happy. Yeah. On that note, I think that we'll wrap this episode up. I hope that you've enjoyed hearing about our mistakes that we've made along the way and that this episode has been encouraging for you because we all make mistakes all of the time. And it's not so much about the mistakes that you make, but how you respond to them. I also wanted to mention that there are show notes for this episode as there are for every episode. Actually, maybe not every episode. That's possibly another fail. <laughs> <laughs> that we've had but recent episodes do have show notes so if you want to head on over to laurahornart.com forward slash the podcast forward slash 94 you can check out the show notes for this episode we also love it when you leave us a review and of course share those stories over on instagram and you can tag me in those stories using at laurahornart <laughs>